The Reluctant Mentor, Chapter 3 The prince stared incredulously at Atragast. You want me to become your mentee? It's not like Athergast had been expecting the encounter to go smoothly, per se, but he at least thought the man would hear him out, for the sake of the world or whatever. The prince raised his chiseled chin and threw Athergast his most haughty stare. I'm Prince Eric van Houthar Superior IV, heir to the throne and high master of royal fowls, hounds, and equestrians, and you want me to... what? Become your apprentice? The chosen one... Athergast muttered, but he knew he'd already lost. I have a wife to meet and a kingdom to run. It'll have to be a solid no. Then who? The prince put a weighty hand on Athergast's shoulders, nearly buckling the old man's knees, and blinked a blue-eyed stare at him. You, good wizard, must take this mantle upon yourself. Me? I can't do it. Prince Eric turned back to the mirror to preen his hair. The movement wafted a tidal wave of pulpourri-scented air. Athergast choked a cough. <coughs> it's not my destiny. Well, surely I can't, the prince reasoned. But if it's to save the world? Athergast tried. The prince had lost interest. We've got a whole kingdom of paladins, fighters, and barbarians. Get one of them to do it. Athergast deflated. There was little use in bringing up the runes of destiny now. How could he return to the academy empty-handed? He'd already planned his retirement, relaxing on an island, sipping Boisin Raffinier, every day until the good gods took him. Or extreme sunburn, whichever occurred first. He couldn't go back to another decade of teaching and door-knocking. His knees ached at the mere thought. I wish you the best of luck, said the prince in farewell as he chaperoned the wizard to the exit. As Athergast made his humiliating trek out of the castle, he slipped a silver candle holder into his robes as payment. He didn't care about his daily stipend now. Tonight's drinks were on the royal house. John was a scrawny, unassuming boy. Unassuming because he didn't care much what others thought, and skinny because he still had a metabolism. He was of middling height, yet somehow also gangly, with a scrub of black curls, a pathetic shadow of a mustache, and, according to his mother, a bundle of wool between his ears. Currently, John was crawling around a sticky tavern floor on hands and knees, dodging legs and elbows with a brush in one hand and a slopping, soapy bucket dragging in the other. He found the yellow-green puddle of his destiny and began to scrub furiously. As he did so, John thought with interest that this particular stain of unknown origin had yellow chunks in it. He didn't remember the cook serving anything yellow for dinner. John was contemplating the misery of his so-far boring existence when an old man with an absurdly long gray beard walked into the tavern, out of place in his midnight blue robes and pointy hat. Everyone in the crowded pub turned to stare at this wondrous being, but he ignored them all and made a beeline for the bar. Was it John's imagination, or did the old man's pocket squirm? John tossed the brush into his bucket and sidled closer to eavesdrop. The barkeep, his boss shot him a glare before turning his attention to the new patron. His eyes shot up as the old man slammed a silver candle holder onto the bar. Two ciders, please. Mr. Cilio stared at the piece with bulbous eyes, which was clearly stolen and yet so brazenly presented by this man, it was hard to say no. That's, uh, I believe they call it a candle holder, although I could be mistaken. I'm from out of town. 
the stranger said, as if that weren't already obvious. The wizard, for that's all this man could be now that John had a closer look at his walking stick, wrapped his knobbly hands around his two ciders and carried them to a table. The gruff fellows currently occupying the seats seemed to remember their wives were waiting for them at home, got up, and left. The wizard settled into one of the empty chairs and guzzled the first pint in one go. John stared in open fascination as the old man let out a polite little burp, then slumped over the table with a miserable groan. This time, John was certain he saw the wizard's pocket move, and, peep, a questing beetle-black nose nuzzled the air, followed by a pair of blacker eyes. Adolia! John had never seen one before, but he'd heard of the tobacco-loving vermin. They were even cuter in person. John glanced around and saw a perfect cigar resting untouched behind a patron's ear. The man was snoring, and a puddle of drool had formed under his gaping mouth. John leaned over the man, coughed, then deftly swapped the cigar for the little brush he'd been holding. John called it his gunk brush because it got all the gunk between the floorboards. With cigar in hand, he turned back to the moping wizard and his delighted companion. The Dahlia had immediately honed its attention on John's stealthy acquisition, and now watched as he approached. John wiggled the cigar in the air. The Dahlia perked up, sniffed, and then inched free of the fabric. The wizard jerked up. Hey! John jumped, trying too late to hide the cigar behind his back. The wizard's eyes narrowed. Trying to steal Peeper? No, sir. Then what's that behind your back? Nothing. Liar. John didn't know much about wizards, but he'd heard the same rumors everyone else had. Wizards were unpredictable, as likely to turn you into a bird as a worm. John wasn't sure which was supposed to be the good one. John made for innocent conversation. Peeper? The wizard flushed. That's his name. No sense making a big deal out of it. So he's your familiar? John had heard of wizards keeping animals to ward off evil spirits or something. He's just a pet, the wizard said lamely. And if you give him that snuff-filled roll, he'll be bouncing off the walls in a minute or two. I suspect neither of us wants to clean that up. John took a second look at the cigar and realized the wizard was right. This wasn't an ordinary smokestick. It contained high-grade snuff. Addictive, pupil-dilating, cliff-jumping stuff. Right. Sorry. He tossed the cigar aside, then realized his mistake and leapt to pick it up, but the Dahlia had already bounded out of the wizard's pocket to retrieve it. Before he could make a rescue attempt, a booming voice came from behind John. That's mine. John, the wizard, and the Dahlia all turned as the once-snoring figure bridled his consciousness and stood to his very full height. They all craned their necks as the man popped his knuckles, showing off the branded tattoo of the Shadow Gang, a group of warlocks who didn't take kindly to much of anything. His knuckles glowed fuchsia. You stole from the wrong man. John swallowed. Run, he suggested to the wizard, then scooped up the Dahlia and dashed for the door. Athergast panted after the lad as he sprinted through dark alleys. He might have let the boy go if not for Peeper peeping for him to keep up. Sure, Athergast could have stayed behind and fought the warlock, and easily won, he assured himself, but he couldn't risk the structural damage to the tavern and the subsequent paperwork, you see. The lad pulled him sideways into a dark alcove, a white grin plastered on his face. I think we lost him. I don't think he bothered to follow us. Athergast panted. I've never felt so alive, exclaimed the boy. I wouldn't go around telling people that. Why? 
but Athergast only had thoughts for the cider he'd left behind. All that silver wasted on one drink, he mourned. Where'd you steal that from? Wizards don't steal. The boy gave him a look, but didn't argue. Athergast gave him a once-over. Whilst Athergast was still holding his chest and catching his breath, the boy seemed perfectly at ease. In fact, he leaned against the brick wall and was scratching Peeper's head, eliciting contented purrs. The boy seemed sturdy enough, brave, if a bit stupid, and likely unattached, if Athergast had to guess. An idea formed in his head, and he spoke it before it got too comfortable there. He could almost feel the sand between his toes, and hear the soothing waves away from the spires of the academy. Boy, he began, John, how'd you like to become a hero? Shouts rang out on the streets. A boy and an old man! The city guard would be all right, but if that was a shadow gang? Bloody hell, they don't give up, Athergast muttered. Come on! John dragged him along the street. Here, this tea house. He disappeared through a beaded doorway, backlit with red light. Reluctantly, Athergast followed the boy into the very obvious brothel.